Welcome to Roadhouse Minute, the podcast where we review the best bad movie of all time, Roadhouse, one minute at a time, and where we always try to be nice until it's time not to be nice. I'm Roger, and we're not going to be joined by Marcy this week. I'm uh, very sorry to say, sometimes life gets in the way, but I'm very, very excited to be joined by uh, another guest from my stomping grounds uh, here at the school where Marcy and I both work. Um, Chris Ostenick, a fan of Roadhouse. How are you doing, Chris? Doing great, Roger. It's good to be here. Uh, it's uh, it's exciting to have you. So, you, so you're now, you, this is our sort of third week of of uh, Hotchkiss folks. I think I can use the name. Um, so I don't know if you know this, but so the last person we had on was Doran Blake. I saw, I saw that on the, and, uh, on the podcast. Menu. Yeah, and, and before yeah. him, uh, Roger Crane. Okay. Uh, and uh, in, in two weeks, we'll be joined by two other uh, most excellent uh, members of Hotchkiss. And who knows, perhaps we will be joined by a third guest tonight that, that remains to be seen. Possible. Have you ever, just out of curiosity, have you ever been on a podcast before? I've never been on a podcast before. Oh, well, uh, rest assured, don't worry. What we record tonight, you won't have to listen to for probably like four months with the way that this whole <laughs> process works. Um, and this is, uh, this is an epic project that you've, uh, that you've embarked on. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's been a bit, it's a bit of an ordeal, um, yeah. but it's a labor of love. And where's my decorum? Attention must be paid to the format as we give thanks and praise to <laughs> Star Wars Minute, the folks who started us off in this bizarre pastime that we have. This is Minute 103 of Roadhouse. Uh, this minute starts with a door opening ominously, and it ends with Pat falling over a balcony. So you've got, I, Pat, uh, Chris, I think you have a great three minutes this week. Um, you this know, is, this is uh, yeah, this is, is uh, climactic. Yeah. You could call this the polar bear week. Um, <laughs> but I mean, a lot happens just in this minute. You know, one yeah. of the funny things that, that, that one might find if one were doing a movie by minutes podcast is that a lot more happens in 60 seconds of movie than you might think when you're watching it all the way through. Like we're going to kill two people in this minute. Two people die in this minute. Yeah, we're just going to oh, kill, yes, kill them dead. Yeah, yeah. Um, catch them, uh, catch them, and then Pat. And Pat, who, yeah. um, who, who, who I believe, uh, is, is that not uh, John Doe of the rock band X? Yeah, so you know what? So we um, talked about that when we were first introduced to him, but I know of your love and appreciation for music. Um, do you have, like, does the name John Doe or the band X like have any traction with you? Is that in your wheelhouse? X is, X is absolutely one of my all-time favorite bands. I was sorry to see that John Doe was such a weenie in this movie. I mean, I have to, um, you know, it was really depressing. Um, he's done a fair amount of acting. I mean, that's yeah. the funny thing about him. Like, he's got lots of credits in the IMDb. I think he does a great job. I mean, what, so what do you think about the character of Pat, other than the fact that you've called him a weenie? <laughs> well, like I was going to say, I mean, I think I, just my sort of sense of John Doe as as, as a musician, uh, and 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 the kind of the the way that I think about X, the band, uh, that you know, disjunction between this character who is you know, a low down thief, uh, you know, a whining toady, uh, you know, who with who a weak with a weak has, constitution. With a weak constitution, you know, has everything only because he's uh, what the cousin of. Yes, yeah, so he is Brad Wesley's nephew. 
Ah, okay. There we go. Um, which is so he's he's born with a silver monster truck in his mouth. <laughs> right. So uh, so I, it disappointed me that I, I I would like to have thought more of the great John Doe. Maybe uh, you would have preferred him as one of the good guy bouncers. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, maybe not in the uh, the range of. Um, you know, who's, not Sam Elliott. He's not, not going to be Sam Elliott. He's but not going to be Sam Elliott. He could never. He be could Sam have been. Elliott. He could have been Hank. Uh, mm. He could have been. Yeah, you know, he could have done that. I. I think. I think John Doe does a great <laughs> job. And you know, I, I think. I think he. He's good at sneering. He's excellent. At and sneering. he does that. He does that several times in this movie. Not in this minute, though. But. No. Um, no. We'll get to him. Great. He would have been great as the uh, as as the Roadhouse band. I mean, they should have had X as the Roadhouse. Oh, band. you know, the funny thing about that is like, so the people who wrote this, the two screenwriters who wrote this, mm-hmm. like in the script, it says the band leader is a is a blind man who plays the guitar on his lap. So they they basically wrote Jeff Healy into the movie. Like right. I don't know what I don't know what the producers of Roadhouse would have done if they couldn't get Jeff Healy to sign on, and he was not super gung ho about accepting this as an opportunity. Oh, really? I guess they would have had to go on to the next guitar, the next blind guitar player who plays a guitar on his lap because they're easy to find. I, I love I love Jeff Healy though. though. I think Jeff Healy does a great job in this movie. I know that this is all outside of the scope of our minute here. Hey, there, th- these are your these are your three minutes. So feel free to color outside the lines. Although we will we will talk on our Friday show sort of about other parts of the movie if there are parts that you really want to dig into. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love to start if we could by talking. So I I talked about this a little bit on in last week on a minute that you obviously haven't heard yet. Um, just about uh, Ketchum Pi. Like in the last minute, it kind of seems like Ketchum went to like a two hour seminar on how to pretend to be a police officer. Um, Because like he does this thing where, you know, as I said, like this minute really starts with a door opening. He does this thing where he just like very slowly points the muzzle of the shotgun through the door and then he dramatically jumps in and pivots. Right. Like, I'm oh, I'm going to get these guys. He's he's clearing the room or whatever. Yeah, you know, he's he's yeah. yeah, he's he's checking his blind spots, he's clearing right. his six. He's like he's yeah. behaving like a way more professional uh actual like um bodyguard than he probably actually is. Actually um, is. He even seems to be having kind of a good time. Oh, yeah, I don't, clearly. Yeah. He, he's got a big he's got a big smile on his face. Um he, he's, he's yeah does 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 he believe he has the upper hand here or is he i mean he gets into the bit um where dalton is uh you know he's he's prowling around the room yeah and kind of looking behind couches and you know behind you know kind of turning the corner quickly but but surprisingly dalton's not there right so one of the funny things about this minute and we've seen this before so there's this scene where they trash reds auto parts and like for the i think the only time in the movie really it goes to first person camera work Hmm. almost as if you're watching a horror movie and if you watch this minute it's kind of like a horror movie like like after we see catch him it switches to catch him cam (laughs) and then he does this thing where he's got this he's got this stupid grin on his face when he like points his shotgun around the corner where he's sure that dalton is and then like this is the most i feel like 80s horror movie trope moment in the movie where he like he 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 peers around the, the the corner of the little piece of furniture, realizes yeah. that he's wrong. Yes. And then like he stands up and the camera pans. And of and course, fun. what should we see behind him? 
it Dalton. was Dalton all along. Like, all along. I, did you watch? Somehow it's acquired like ninja skills to go along with his Tai Chi expertise. Well, whatever. when you're wearing a gi shirt, I think you can do that kind of stuff. Is that is is that what bestows the, it, uh, the power on him? To, it appears that way. Did yeah. you? So, Chris, did you watch horror movies when you were growing up as a kid? No, I really couldn't abide the genre. I okay, I'm the same way, but yeah. I just feel like this sort of thing where it's like here's this place where there was no one. And then we cut away and we cut back and it's like, oh, there's the person. Yeah. Oh, it, it, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's clearly playing, picking up those tropes. I mean, director running out of ideas at this point in the well, film. Well, I'm going to tell you what, I'm going to give the filmmakers the benefit of the doubt. Cause I don't know if you know this, but the, the cinematographer for this movie is a very famous guy named Dean Cundy. Okay. Um, no. So if that name rings a bell, he's no. very famous. So the okay. poster that you see over my shoulder is Back to the Future. Mm-hmm. He did Back to the Future. Yeah. He did Jurassic Park. Wow. He did probably most of the John Carpenter movies that you are really? a fan of. Yeah. Dean Cundy is a legendary cinematographer. Wow. And yeah. I'm going to say that maybe he picked up a little bit of... Uh, a little bit of horror movie notes from his work with John Carpenter. Um, likely. And that's how you could produce a scene like this. But <laughs> that's, uh, and then we get this, we get this fantastic fight. What did you think of the whole fight between Dalton and Ketchum? Refresh my memory. Okay. So here are some things. Uh, I mean, one of the things that I enjoy about this is, uh, I don't know. Did you see, did you see the Lord of the Rings movies? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Okay. So Ketchum does this thing right before he's about to go into a fight. I don't know if you remember, there's a scene in the first one, the fellowship of the ring mm-hmm. where Bilbo is suddenly exposed to the ring. Mm-hmm. And then they do this special effects trick where like his face turns into like a hobgoblin for like yes. half a second. Right. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. yeah. Ket- yeah. Ketchum does something very similar to his face right before he's about to fight without special effects. Like he goes, Rah! and then <laughs> he's going to fight. Um, apart from that, uh, you know, Dalton does this thing where like they're wrestling for the shotgun and mm-hmm. then Dalton just takes the shotgun. Like clearly he understands leverage and Ketchum does not because he right. just picks the thing and he like he turns it like the wheel of a boat and just and, flips Ketchum around. And, yeah. Ketchum just yeah. ends up on his butt. Yeah. So that's like the first beat of this fight. Then we get to the knife fight. Right. Um, so so let me ask you a different question. So just to, to sort of triangulate your movie watching uh, how many Steven Seagal movies have you seen? Uh, not, man, not, not, not many. Not, not many. Enough to be familiar with 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 his, with his work, though. I, you know how whenever Steven Seagal gets in a knife fight, the very first thing he does is take the knife and flips it around so it's kind of pointing in the opposite direction, so he can go in sort of like a like with fists, but also with the uh, yeah. It's yeah. like the it's like the badass grip for your knife. <laughs> um, and Ketchum like does that right away. So Ketchum is just like grip with the pistol. I've got exactly yeah, like he's yeah. he's got a knife. He seems like. He knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Um, again, again, belying the 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 apparent ineptitude that he's demonstrated throughout the movie up to this point. Yeah, because like once he gets his knife in that position, though, I mean he he takes very wide roundhouse slashes at Dalton with his knife yeah. hand yeah. that are completely useless um, <laughs> until the knife is very quickly. So you must you must have enjoyed this scene where so so Dalton jump kicks the knife out of Ketchum's <laughs> hand and then grabs him by the throat and just so that he can wait for the knife to come pirouetting through the air back into his hand. Right. Brilliant. That's a good, that's a good stunt. 
That is a good stunt. I'm guessing. I'm guessing that's not actually Patrick Swayze catching that knife. You don't think so? I I don't know. I don't think so. Like, have you ever tried to catch a knife falling it from the air? Uh, no. I used to do a lot of juggling though back in the day, and I was actually really pretty, yeah. I never never juggled any knives. But are you actually, a good Are you a good juggler? I was uh, with three objects, but I was good enough that I could juggle fire and things like that. You know, so I was you know really like oh, flaming yeah. like flaming clubs. You could yeah, juggle those. Flaming, yeah, juggling flaming clubs. The scariest thing about flaming clubs is just the sound they make, not so much the uh, the idea that you grab the wrong end of it or anything like that. What does it sound like? Uh, just, it, it, it sounds like, um, like a whoosh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the, flame the sound is, of burning, what is that? Like sound kerosene? of burning kerosene, you know, uh, you know, camp camping fuel, yeah. foam, foam and fuel, you know, you kind of saturated the end of the torch in a little bit, but yeah, it gives you like a, when I was in the boy scouts, uh, I don't know if I've told this story in the podcast before I saw the <laughs> most amazing juggler of all time. Um, his name was Mr. Fun, um, and he came one time to one of our troop meetings. Uh, and Mr. Fun could juggle at the same time an axe, a rubber chicken, and an apple. Yeah. Um, and he would then periodically take bites out of the apple. Uh, classic. While classic he was trick. juggling the other two things. Classic trick. Mr. Fun. Yeah. The hardest um, thing, that, that, that's a, that not only is that hard, like, you know, break that beat to get that hand your mouth to take a bite of it but but i always found that the hardest thing by far was juggling things of different weights well that's the i mean that's the payoff for that whole yeah that whole charade yeah so so i you know i would i I would suspect that somebody with the martial arts acumen that dalton apparently has um you know in his kind of you know proto mma kind of career that he has here that he, he would be able to you know, judge a knife coming out of the coming out of the out of the air and grab it by the handle. Oh, I have no doubt that Dalton could catch this knife. I'm just not sure that Patrick, Patrick Swayze uh, that they allowed Patrick Swayze uh, to catch this knife. I don't know. Uh, so then, so then we get uh, the knife killing scene. Um, how did you enjoy the end of? What did you think <laughs> about the end of Ketchum? How did I enjoy the end of Ketchum? Well, I mean, it's always good to see a flunky like that. You know, get their just desserts. So yeah, I think Anthony's the longest does it. I, I enjoy Anthony DeLongis, who is the actor who plays Ketchum throughout this movie. Mm-hmm. I think he does a nice job in this minute. He does some good face acting of someone who's just been stabbed in the chest with a knife. His, um, his end, yeah, his end, his end is quite satisfying. What do you, Okay, so I got to ask you this question, though. What do mm-hmm. you think about Dalton? So Dalton ends this, this part of the minute with the, the sort of the tagline... Uh, or the catchphrase, sorry, the catchphrase, he says, tails again, um, which, you know, so, so the, the joke we get, right, is that this is Ketchum's knife, the knife that he used to kill Wade, it's got a quarter, tails first, apparently, like, nailed or super glued to the end of this knife, but. Oh, do we see that when it's, when it's, like, is is this the knife that was propping, is this the knife that was then pulled out of the chest of Sam Elliott, was then propping the the um the gas the, pedal the, the gas pedal exactly down, right and then he grabbed it and shoved it in his boot scabbard well no, uh, yes this is definitely ketchup's knife yeah this, okay All this right, is right, definitely right. his ketchup's knife but so my yeah. question is what do you think about dalton's catchphrase here 
I thought that, you know, we're in a moment and, I, you know, remind me of where this movie sits um, in, in, in terms of, uh, you know, the timeline. With so this is 1989. The... So where, but where is it in terms of like the Schwarzenegger era of catchphrases that are? Oh, I think this is mostly past. This is after. The... I mean, we're, we're two years away from Terminator 2. Okay. So we've already gone through Commando, Predator, okay. the original Terminator. Right. Um, so we've all, had all the Conan movies. Like I would say we are, uh, and we're past Die Hard. Okay. Um, we've had that. We we're well past that moment of the "I'll be back" or "Get to the helicopter." Well, I mean, "I'll be back" is "I'll be back" is I think gonna. Well, so "I'll be back" is from the Terminator. There's certainly a decent number of catchphrases in Terminator Two, but I yeah. feel like we're sort of moving past that. I mean, I, I think I told you last week that I feel like Roadhouse is sort of the Woodstock of the 1980s action movies. It's <laughs> like this is the last hurrah, and they're not movies aren't going to be the same like this anymore. Yeah, yeah, uh, clearly not. But I thought that the catchphrase was, it was it, in the context of the movie, a good catchphrase. It, it, it struck me as, as, you know, a writer, you know, wanted to, you know, wanted to hit that, hit that Schwarzenegger, Schwarzeneggerian note. Whoa, that was an awesome yeah. adjective that you just coined there. Um, yeah, I mean, it's interesting, though, because honestly, this is the first catchphrase we've gotten from Dalton, I think, in this mm-hmm. whole movie. We're mm-hmm. going to get another one in uh, at the end of the week. Um, but like, this is not one of those movies where you get that, that kind of cheese. There's all kinds of other cheese, but not that kind of cheese. (laughs) Not that kind of cheese. Not that kind of cheese. Yeah. That was some stinky cheese. (laughs) Yeah. Um, you got anything else about Ketchum before we move on and dispose of our second henchman? I don't really, I I don't really have anything more to say about Ketchum, I'm afraid. If Marcy were here, we would be spending time talking about the decor in this scene. But since she's uh-huh. not, I will just point out that, that I would I would love to pick up a a, a thread on interior design of. Oh, um, well, I mean, I don't want to deprive you of the opportunity. Do you <laughs> want to talk at all about Brad Wesley's love of potted plants? It's 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 a it's a you know a beautiful home full of wasted space. I mean, it's it's. Are, are, have you ever seen the? Um, if, if there's a there, there's a website that is just all about you know bad architecture like bad suburban architecture. No, I can't remember what the name of it is off, off the top of my head. Um, you know, but it, it it's a uh, is it know, Zillow? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but clearly, that's where they get their source material, right? And it just breaks down the facades of all of these sort of homes that have, you know, strange mixtures of architectural genres that that can't be justified by any sort of real, you know, notion of postmodern, you know, kind of jumbling of forms. It's just really ultimately, you know, the bad taste of somebody with too much money. Um, who says, Ooh, I want that. And I want that, <laughs> that kind of window. And I want that kind of, you know, staircase, yeah. things like that. And how it ends up creating these sort of suburban monstrosities. Um, it's like, it's like a, a moose of a house. It's like a moose of a house, right? You ever heard that old joke that a moose is a horse that's built by committee? No, it's oh. perfect. Um, yeah. So I think, I think you're right. And I think there's a moment. So I have got it here as like second 49. It appears that the set decorators, like they they went to wherever the place is where you go to get this kind of stuff, and they got just enough to do like one corner. It's kind of like some of those sports movies you ever watch, where they're like they've got like a hundred extras, and as long as they keep moving them around the stadium, you can make the stadium feel like it's full. Sure. But like 
the scene right after Ketchum dies, where mm-hmm. they cut to, uh, I guess this would be Pat Cam, um, where you see like the, the the shotgun point of view from the upper balcony. Right, where he's up in the balcony, yeah. This is a giant room full yeah. of nothing but wood floors. Like there's literally nothing in this room. That's it, that that that's the take of this website. That I mean, it's called McMansion uh, McMansion Hell. There you go. It's the uh, yeah. Uh, well, this is Wesley Manor is definitely a good example of McMansion Hell. This is a real house, by the way. Oh, um, that I guess they just found uh, to film this stuff. I'm sure. Um, I'm sure, but yeah. So uh, yeah, the 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 you know, do we do we know whether or not there are leather couches or are they uh, you know some sort of some sort of faux leather that he has. Oh, these couches? They're yeah. sort of... Oh, wait. Oh, so you're talking about the couches in the trophy room? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I mean, I'm assuming they're leather because Brad Wesley seems like the kind of person who would spare no expense just to show everybody that he's spared no expense. Um, <laughs> but true. it's hard. To, or I, I don't know. I think it's... Or even odds that it's like Nogahide. It, it could be anything, <laughs> really. Um, what do you think? Can we talk a little bit about Pat? Let's talk about Pat. So I would have to say this is some, first off, this is some excellent human shield work by Dalton. Mm. Um, put put Ketchum's now lifeless body in the way of uh, Pat's shotgun. Yeah, yeah, like, brilliant. Good, good job there. Yeah. Um, what do you think about this knife throw? <laughs> well, it's it's clearly a well-balanced knife if he's managed to, like, you know, catch it appropriately out of the air and can throw it with just exactly the right twist on it to uh, to strike his target. It's, uh, it's quite a knife. I'm actually not sure, like, just to kind of look sort of behind the fourth wall a little bit, I'm not really sure how they film this stunt. Because stuntman or no, it looks like a knife going into somebody's chest. I. <laughs> I actually wonder if maybe they filmed that in reverse, but I'm not really sure how you would do that. <laughs> how would you do that? Well, you just start with a knife in his chest and then yeah. just pull it out real fast. With, with, on, on, on a string? Yeah, sure. Why not? Okay. I, yeah. I mean, All okay. Right. The alternative, so exp- like we'd have to figure this out. Like, the alternative is that there's a stuntman in there who has a knife coming towards his chest. Maybe it just happens so fast that we just don't see it like bouncing off, but I, I, like if you watch this minute again, there is a knife moving through space, lodging in a man's chest. That's a pretty impressive stunt. Then it is a pretty impressive stunt. Okay, and so I don't know how they do it. I think I would have to, uh, you know, default to your assumption that maybe they I, did it in reverse. That's, I, I, you know, clearly not CG. Sometimes you end up with funny things when that when that happens. Have you ever seen the movie Anaconda? Uh, I have not. Oh man! Oh, okay. Well, really? An- Anaconda is the roadhouse of South American jungle movies, <laughs> and and I'm only mentioning that because there's a scene. I, so I can say so that by the transitive properties that make it the Woodstock of uh, of, of, of. I haven't seen any other South American jungle movies yeah. after that. Well, that's not true because they just came up with that one last year, like the Lost City of Z. I didn't see that. Uh, I did not either. But anyway, I'm just mentioning that because there's a scene where if you watch really closely, you can see the waterfall going in reverse. <laughs> That's what happens. That's what happens if your producers are not really careful about whether it's okay to run the film in reverse for a particular scene. Um, but what else? So we get Pat. Pat gets hit with a knife. Yeah. And sadly then the, uh, yeah. he falls <laughs> over. In in a very what felt to me, you know, uh, 
you know, very kind of um, uh, Star Trek, the original uh, series kind of moment. Like, I just feel there were a lot of stuntmen that tumbled over the brinks of various things in that series to me. That, that, that kind of moment where you'd get hit by something like that, the likelihood that your center of gravity is actually going to take you over the top of that thing, tumbling down to the ground, that just, again, I think that that kind of defies the physics of that setup, basically. Yeah. It wasn't as if he was leaning over the balcony with his shotgun or anything there. Yeah, I mean, especially since, I mean, he's being hit with a relatively small knife that is yeah. going in the opposite direction. One would expect that the logical thing to happen is he would just fall down dead where he stands. Right. I don't know why you know? he would pitch forward. So that, 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 Cause, that well, because you got to get this cool there. moment, which is going to happen, obviously. Yeah. Um, and I actually have kind of I have a sad piece of trivia. Oh. This this these last few seconds of this minute, Chris, are yeah. the only injury that occurred on set during the making oh. of this whole movie. Um, I mean, in terms of like the only serious injury that occurred on set. Right. Um, the, so the stuntman. So you'll be happy to know this is not, in fact, John Doe falling <laughs> over the railing. This is a stuntman. But apparently, according to Chuck Chuck Paterni, um, who is one of the stunt people that was working there. His dad, Charlie Paterni, is the stunt coordinator for Roadhouse, who's okay. also a legend. Like, he was a stunt coordinator on Die Hard. Wow. Um, and he said, basically, you know, somehow this guy didn't quite take the fall the way he was supposed to and, like, broke his ankle. Okay. Um, and that's that's the only serious injury that happened on Roadhouse. Is that he in fall, this minute fell, right fell here. directly to a hard surface or something? They didn't... No, I mean, well, that was going to... No, I mean, I'm sure they didn't make him, like, fall and land on the floor right i think it was just something about he didn't time his pirouette correctly or something and he didn't land the way he was awkwardly yeah Mm. and that's that's the end of the action in this minute do you have any more notes about sort of what you saw in this minute i've got some other notes about a couple of other things this minute i'm just curious if if you've got any more about what you saw i don't really i didn't really pick up on anything else there other than other than um you know what were dalton's apparent apparent ninja uh training skills you know blend into the background and reappear silently was something that absolutely stood out but it is kind of interesting because, like, I mean, of course, we've seen Dalton's martial arts skills. We know that he's an excellent fighter. This is the only minute where he appears to, like you say, sort of deploy all these other things. Like, right. he can catch a knife. He can catch a knife out of midair and use it to kill somebody. He can throw it across the room like a trained assassin. Like, these are not skills that we would have had any previous reason to suspect that he had acquired i mean it, i i can't imagine that throwing a knife all the way across the bar is an effective technique as a cooler no i wouldn't think so I which begs not. the question right and i don't know whether you whether you've addressed this in other uh, other other minutes or um uh you know or or plan to you know but but you know have you delved into dalton's mysterious background at all we or have so we have we have We've speculated a lot. I mean, oh. obviously, this movie doesn't tell you much other than the fact that obviously he was under the tutelage of Wade Garrett at some point. Some point. And he killed a man in Memphis. Right. Um, other than that, we don't know that much. So do you, know, you wanna do you wanna opine on what the what the years of Dalton's life were like before he got to Wade? Well, I wonder. So I mean, we're 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 thinking here what the the, the movie is, what did you say, 89? Yes. And so do we have any sort of sense of, of how old Dalton is at this point? Oh, you know, I don't Dalton know if I, if I go back and look at his medical records, I might get it. I, I think he's, oh. I think he's playing, I'm going to say in this movie, he's playing mid thirties. 
he's playing mid thirties. Okay. By the late. So, I mean, maybe I, late thirties even. Yeah. You know, for, for, for me, I mean, there's elements that I was picking up in here. Um, not, not, not in these minutes necessarily, but in the movie itself. I mean, there, there's first blood overtones uh-huh. to me throughout here, you know, maybe I know where you're going with this. I like where you're going, Chris, maybe, uh, you know, I mean, maybe we're looking at, at, at some sort of special forces relationship. Um, wow. You, but, you took it, you took it even to a more detailed place. So yeah. well, I have, I, I, I have like speculated go, in the I past, like Vietnam, you know, but, Oh, but, but I see. I but, I, but I don't think the time, I don't think the age and the time is quite right for that. That, I mean, that never stops anybody from kind of saying like, okay, we're late eighties and you're only 25 years old and you could have served in Vietnam. Sure. I mean, I've, I have speculated that he could potentially have come from a military background or a mm. military family oh. before he ended up kind of falling under, under Wade's guidance. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't think you have to be like a green beret or something to, to throw a knife or even be good at martial arts. I mean, so Marshall Teague, you know, the guy who plays Jimmy yeah. that we had on our show, like he was in the Navy. I, I don't think he was a Navy SEAL unless he can't tell us without killing us. Um, Marshall Teague or Jimmy? So Marshall Teague was in the Navy. In the Navy, okay. And he was, apparently he was the NATO kickboxing champion. Oh my God. Wow. Yeah, I know. Pretty cool, huh? So <laughs> you, cool. Do, you do not have to be an elite soldier to still be really good at all of these skills. I think they probably teach you, I bet I bet people in, in the that, regular branches of the armed forces spend a fair amount of time knife throwing. I'm just guessing. I would think that knife fighting or, or that, you know, hand to hand combat yeah. is certainly just a part of basic training. I would imagine. Sure. Right? I would think so. so and, and so then in your spare time, maybe you take up a little bit of knife throwing just for kicks, just, <laughs> just for fun, just, just for fun, fun when you're hanging around the barracks. Yeah, um, what else are you going to do? I just want to give a quick shout out uh, to the score in this minute and just in general. So our man, Michael Kamen, uh, who also he's done the score on, Lots of 80s movies. If Joel Silver produced the movie, he probably did the score. So, like, he did the score on Die Hard. He did the score on a bunch of Lethal Weapon movies. That's the great thing about Die Hard, Chris. I mean, or sorry, about Roadhouse. The reason why Roadhouse is such a good movie is because almost all the people that are in this movie are way overqualified for what they're doing. Right. Um, but, like, in this particular minute, we get, like, at the beginning when Ketchum's playing Policeman, we get this kind of amusing little mystery theme. Oh. Um, and with and but then once they get into the fight, they kind of go back into like roadhouse fight theme, okay. uh, which sounds a lot like, do you know, the final fight in Lethal Weapon between um, Gary Busey and Mel Gibson? <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. OK, so if you can picture that kind of music, yeah, that's the roadhouse fight theme. OK, um, it's a lot of brassy, clanging percussion um, get you amped up kind of stuff. I'm going to have to go back and, and, and listen to the soundtrack more carefully here. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So on our Monday shows, Chris, we like to ask our guests if they can just kind of remember back to what their first experience was like with Roadhouse. Can you remember way back to like when you saw it, not necessarily the first time or maybe the first time, like, what do you remember about seeing about your earliest experiences with Roadhouse? Roadhouse. I would have to say that, that, you know, that was, <laughs> I'm old enough that I'd already graduated from college. Um, you know, certainly not a movie that I saw in the theater at all. So my first encounter with Roadhouse would have had to have been, you know, on an early cable thing when it was one of those movies that just got Always on cable. Over and over and over and over and Always over. Always on cable. Um, you know, so I don't, I, I, I can't remember my first, my, my first Roadhouse 
Roger, okay. I'm sorry. You know, I, it's I, hard. I, it, it is. It is sometimes hard and awkward for people to remember their first roadhouse. Um, <laughs> I, I, I just have. I just have a sense that it's one of those movies that because it was on so frequently and there was so little else uh, to to do in that era. Uh, in in terms of entertainment choices, that I probably did watch it over and over. Watch and it over by default. Over. You know, both both Ben Gazzara, who plays Brad Wesley, and Sam Elliott, who plays Wade, they have both been separately quoted as saying that this is the movie that they that this is the movie of theirs that has appeared on cable the most. I can absolutely believe for that. sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, you got anything else before we move on to the next minute? No, love the next minute. All right. Yeah. Well. Thank you once again for listening to another episode of Roadhouse Minute. Please, if you can, rate and review us on your favorite podcatching app. Come and join us on Facebook at The New Double Deuce. We're also on Twitter and Instagram at, at @rhminute, and you can email us at daltonsaysbenice at gmail.com. So remember, until next time, be nice. Bye now.